Hello, and welcome to the media ministry of Living Word Church in Roberts, Illinois. Today, Pastor Douglas Lee shares truth from the Word of God that will inspire and motivate you. We pray that as you listen to this message, your ears will be open to hear and your heart to receive all that God has for you. Join us now as we journey together through God's Word. We're a friendly church. If you're not used to that, we're, we're more like a family than anything else. And uh, our relationship with Christ, the scripture says, is, is like a marriage. So when we all come together, you know, in heaven, we're going to experience the marriage feast of the Lamb. It's not going to be a quiet and passive place. There's going to be a moment of great reverence for the Lord Jesus, but then the family's going to eat. When we come together, there's a sense of that. We come together to dine on whatever the master has because it's what our system needs. It's what we need, spirit, soul, and body. And some of that comes by uh, being together. Sometimes uh, somebody's holding the butter to your bread and you need to interact with them a little bit at church. And that, that may sound different to you, but that's just kind of how we grow together. There's this connection, and when you, you don't know how to be connected, you just start stepping out, and in that little moment of greeting, that's a, that's a way to get to know somebody's name. So we do that on purpose. We don't do that to make us uncomfortable, but to make us more comfortable. Well, today we're, we're in the middle of a, a series on, on vision. Last week we talked about uh, missions and outreach and how it fits. And uh, we did uh, really well to see a lot of kids sponsored. Somebody took the last two pictures off the board, and we don't know who you are. So please see Greg Conrad. Greg, wave. Wherever is he back? He's counting. He's counting. See Brandy? Uh, because we just need to know who took that. And we've had uh, somebody step up and want eight more kids, so we're asking for eight more kids. So um, we're excited about that, and thank you for being a part of that. Uh, the, 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 the names that you take are actual kids that you're sponsoring. We do that on purpose because I like to see a picture and have a name and know a little bit about something because you're investing in not just a life, but you're investing in a life that belongs to the Lord and is part of his kingdom. So when we go back to Guatemala after years of sponsorship, we, we interact with kids who grew up having received that scholarship from here, and most of them are in trades and working. A few of them enter into a place of ministry, but we find that there's a great appreciation and a connection, and it lasts with the church because they see it as God doing something for them and it's overwhelming to them. It's like one of the greatest things that will happen in their life is to be able to go to school because somebody stepped up. We have a a lesser value maybe on lower education in the States than they do in places where they can't get it so easily. So we're helping make it easier for our families that have struggled, and there's a great appreciation. So on behalf of those kids and their families, I can say thank you because if you go on the next trip in July, you'll experience interaction with these kids and their families and their schools, and you would be astonished at how overwhelming and how personal the relationship is. So thank you for that. Today, I'm not presenting a a piece of vision that requires monetary support. I'm presenting rather a a vision for our relationship with the Lord and where everything begins for God's vision in your life. Everything begins in the scripture with God's people, Israel, when they let God get before them. They let him go before them and they let him show them the place they were supposed to go. 
When they had a difficult time with that, they ended up wandering around in the wilderness. But whenever they again put him first by putting him out there before them and they became followers of him, by night or by day, whenever they were moving, they were going God's way. God's way always ends up with the promises he's made you, even the ones you don't know yet. Vision has to do with things you know God has spoken into your life, but it has a a lot to do with the things you don't know yet. The things we don't know yet, many times people pray, God, show me what I'm to do next. That's a great prayer, but the way he answers that prayer is he will say, put me first in what you want to know about. See, many times people make Jesus Lord of only bits and pieces of their life, and they do that by putting him first in that area. When we put him first in something, we're saying, Jesus, I give you my life in this area and I will follow your lead. I will do what the Bible says. I will submit to your authority. That's what it means to put him first. He doesn't get out there in front of us until we submit to his authority. Then he's there. That's how he leads and guides us. Scripture says in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit does this by leading into leading us into all truth. He won't point to the truth. He will lead you into the truth. That makes us a follower of him. So we get the term we use, followers of Christ. It means following Jesus in his anointed kind of life. We have great benefit and many more rewards than the Old Testament believers did. We have it easier because we have Jesus who has been and still is our forerunner. That means he's running before you so you can follow his lead. He's not walking slowly. You are never going to really be waiting on God. What is happening when you think you are waiting on God is you've not put him first and you don't have a sense of his leadership. So we make an excuse by saying, I'm waiting on God, when in reality, he's speaking something to us into our heart that he wants to have first. And when we give him first place in that, the direction begins to unfold as if, you know, the the world would say, as if by magic, that person just keeps doing well. We know that's the blessing of God. The blessing of God cannot be realized in the New Testament believer's life without allowing Jesus to be the forerunner. Where's he running? He, in one sense, he's running to heaven. He's leading us to heaven. In another sense, he's running into the blessing. He's leading us into God's blessing. In another sense, he's, he's running into satisfaction. He's running into joy. He's running into abundance. He's running into all of these things that are promises. And he's running, but we can't run in step with him until he's in front of us. He's setting the pace. God's pace is for now in your life. God's pace is that he's forever faithful running before you. So when we line up with him, he's quick in his moving. Again, when we think we're waiting on God, he's waiting on our heart to line up with him. So, so quickly in this world, we can get off track. This world is about distracting believers from keeping God in first place. I'm your pastor. I've experienced it not once, not twice, many times. 
Sometimes it'll be something that God put in my life for a season that he needed me to do or wanted me to do for the kingdom. And he changed things up. He was wanting me to, to hand that off to somebody else. Part of a pastor's role is to lead, to point to things that Jesus wants and then hand it off to people to do things. So many times one of the key battles a pastor has is if people aren't receiving what's being handed off or if pastor likes it and doesn't hand it off or if pastor just doesn't see a person to hand it off to, we end up staying in the same place and pretty soon Jesus isn't first place because he's running in another direction. He took a left-hand turn, and I kept running, running right along where I was going. He's going, what, what's up with that? And he's not going to stop what he's doing and run over to get me and say, you know, he's, he's saying, look to me. Why, well, he's the author and finisher of our faith. So when we get off, it isn't his fault. When we get distracted, understand, the only way that the devil really can get to us as Christians is because we remain ignorant to the truth. And it's God's truth that sets us free. So I'm going to tell you, one of the points of humility in your Christian life is to recognize when something's off a little bit and say, mm, it's not God, it's me. What do I need to do about this? And that's a point of true humility. Whenever we stop doing that, the work of repentance becomes dead to us. We don't have the benefit of that anymore and we get off track. So today I want to help you understand how to be on track with what God wants because it, it, people want the promised land without being led by the Holy Spirit. It simply can't happen. We might attain something good. God's mercy and grace might work in our behalf so he sustains us, but he doesn't want to sustain us only. See, we're in a new covenant the best way I can compare Old Covenant to New Covenant is there came a place in the wilderness where the manna ceased and it was the moment they were to cross into the promised land. You're going to find in your relationship with God that things who, that have been working for you may not work anymore. And you'll think, but I've known the healing word for 25 years. Why can't I receive my healing in this? The manna dried up. You might have to take some steps with him, letting him lead you into the next level of that promise, whatever it is. I find that the Holy Spirit never lets me take him for granted. I've accused him before of changing things up just because he thinks it's funny to catch me off guard. <laughs> I say, why did you do that? And, and uh, the better question is, how did I miss that? Why was I not paying more attention? And then I have to identify what distracted me. I mean, if you're really good at work, you can do great at work and be promoted, but pretty soon work can become a distraction. You can be a really good Sunday school teacher and do that for a season and then think, well, I'm done with that, but not ask him what's next. Why something distracted you into thinking it needed your attention instead of God having first place? So we've got to become conscious. I, I don't bring this to judge anybody. It's the least thing on my mind. I've learned to judge myself when, when, whenever I am shifting gears in a, a piece of vision of what God has said, I, I'll look to him first. I don't assume, well, I'm retiring from this responsibility, so now I have none. You will never see that even in heaven. We will graduate to new responsibility. Fortunately, there will be nothing stopping us there or preventing us from achieving everything God has in mind. But while we're here, we're in a fight called the fight of faith. And that fight largely is to keep a focus 
on the Lord Jesus so we're followers of Christ and we can walk in anointing, we can walk in authority, we can enjoy the goodness of God. So today is to help you at a personal level find God's priority because when you do, the things you are praying for that are earthly will begin to come to you. Jesus said in Matthew 6, if we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, that means what he wants and our personal relationship with him, all of these things shall be added to us. So when we're, we're looking how to achieve the things and praying to God about how to get the things and how to line up our life so we can serve him, we've got it backward. We need to get him out before us and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you and the things are going to come. Now, this world will challenge that every way it can because the world system says, go after the things so you can retire and be comfortable. It's backward. It's contrary to the kingdom. And when we adopt the world's thinking, we miss God's plan. All right. I'm going to begin in Deuteronomy 30, 19, which is uh, when God was promising to Israel what they were going to inherit. He said, I've set before you life and death, Blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. This is Deuteronomy 30, 19. Choose life that both you and your seed may live. Choose life. He wasn't saying choose whatever kind of life you want. He's literally saying choose the God-ordained, God-planned life that he has for you. We get to choose. And I'm going to tell you, you never stop choosing. You never stop making that choice. It's one of the most important actions any Christian can show their children how it's done. To choose life, to choose God's kind of life. How do we do that? We know what God's standard is for life, and it's to keep him first. I'm going to tell you the, how the, the, the generational blessing is passed. You teach your children how to keep God first, and as they do, the blessing that God brought on you and the progenitors will come down to them. The blessing on the Lord Jesus that the Heavenly Father gave him when he rose from the dead will come down on your family, and you will see the blessing of God come. But when he's not in first place, he cannot we cannot. Why? It's a matter of lining up with his authority, lining up with his position. We're in a positional kingdom. So you are in a lineup of God's blessing. None of us are, are our own maverick with God. He has a line, a lineage that we're to fall into. And your first place is under Christ. Your second place would be under a pastor in local church. Your third place would be under your father in the natural. And what I mean by in the natural is assuming he's a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian. See, sometimes humans don't get it right. That's why there's a Jesus who is human and God. So if you have an earthly father that doesn't have the wisdom of God, your heavenly father through the person of the Lord Jesus will cause the, 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 the line to not be broken in your blessing. So whenever life seems out of order, a little bit chaotic, we need to say, tag, I'm it. God, what do I need to do? Because he loves that conversation. Now, that was Deuteronomy 30, and he's, he's trying to get him to enter in. So I want to go back to Deuteronomy 1, where we were a few weeks ago. This is verse 33, which I didn't share last time. The Lord your God went in the way before you. He's reminding them, he's telling them, how spiritual things work. God goes before you. If you're going to enter into anything by the will of God, he will go before you. 
that has not changed. Understand that Jesus was the forerunner and he's still our forerunner. Who is Jesus in our life? The Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth living inside of you. He's the forerunner. He has a knowledge of how to lead you. He'll do that by the inward witness. He'll do that by scripture. He'll do that by the word of the Lord coming through other people in your spiritual line. Now, he said he will. He is the one that went before you to search out a place for you. Place is something you're after. A place in God, a place in his plan, a place in what he's doing. Coming to church doesn't represent your spiritual place. It represents the place you will discover your spiritual place. It represents uh, opportunities for connection. It represents a place where the Holy Spirit can speak to you as the preacher's preaching and the singers are singing and as God is moving as to what he wants to do because he's going to be right before you in something. He's going to be motioning to you in something. You're going to hear it when the scriptures preach. You're going to hear it when you're worshiping. You're going to hear it when somebody's praying. Think, that was for me. That's him beckoning you to be a follower of him in an anointing, not in your own strength. It's a path that he has blessed. The anointing for your life is the path God has foreordained and blessed. It is the plan established for you from the foundations of the earth. It is where you most want to be, his place. Now, he does all this. He gets us into a place to show you the way you should go. The place is required before the direction comes. That doesn't sound possible. Why? It's a place in relationship. It's a place that, God, you are first. I come after you. That's the place he's talking about. God in relationship, I consciously give you first place. And I might not even be second place or third place in some things. I might be back here in 10th or 12th place. Why? Because God will put himself, he's always going to be before you, but sometimes you're not the cheese behind the Lord. Sometimes he's interjected other people in there and you serve what they're doing for him. Now, When we put him first, he shows us the way. I want to encourage you that how you get something out of this vision series. When God positions you personally in your life because you line up behind him. See, we think God just moved us when really we moved into line with him. Then you'll fit into the local church better. Then you'll, you'll, it'll seem like things start to fall in place for you. And instead of praying, God, eliminate the chaos. You know what he's saying? You eliminate the chaos. Because it always has to do with the same root. Putting him first in something. So one of the most sensitive things I want you to understand about this year is to make him first place because you choose that for you. You choose that for your house. Pastor's just telling you, man, it's an incredibly important choice. It's a matter of not not accepting Jesus only as your Savior, but saying, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're the Lord of our family. You're the Lord of our business. You're the Lord of, of me and my workplace. And there being one resolute you filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not different at work than you are at church. You're the same person. And when you make him first in those ways, what it does is he's molding us into his image. He's helping us line up with him. Why? We're supposed to be as the image of the firstborn son, the first begotten of the father, the Lord Jesus. When you were created in the first place, you were made in his image. 
He was the one there when life was breathed into Adam. Jesus was in on the scene. Why We were made to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. So life comes the same way. Now, the first thing we have to do is uh, break the opposition of our own ignorance. Scripture says in many places, but particularly in Isaiah, that God's people can only really be destroyed two ways. It's because we have a lack of knowledge, and that lack of knowledge is ignorance or misinformation. Two ways. So what do we want? We want right information. I'm very careful when I present the word to you to not bring it down to some modern vernacular to take away any of the meaning in it because God's word is to be quick and it's to be powerful and it's to be easily understood. It's to be direct. So, so sometimes it seemed like, man, pastor brought that. It was just like, that's God's word. He calls it a two-edged sword. I mean, what are you going to do? Hit with the blunt side? I mean, if he's going to cut something in me, use the sharpest edge, get it over with quickly. And I think of this with the sword of the spirit. And as soon as I feel it and I yield to him, I'm healed. I'm good. He's instant. I'm conscious something happened, but it didn't hurt. It helped. Now, when, when we receive from the blunt side, all you're going to do is take a beating and walk away and think, God, what, what was that about? So we want to bring what's sharper than a two-edged sword. And, and you decide if you let it do a work on you or not. But we break the opposition of our own ignorance. This is Deuteronomy 121. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. Go up is a critical word. Go up because uh, the world is going down. Christians should be going up. Going up what? Going up following Jesus. He's never going to lead you down. He's going to lead you up. Why he's resurrected. It's all about getting you to heaven and on the way, uh, causing you to take an ascendancy over the spirits and the troubles of this world where your life can be better. Possess it as the Lord of your fathers has spoken to you. There's got to be an understanding of what God's saying. So when we bring the word, the first thing that you decide is, Am I going to submit to what I hear being preached and understand something about me? I'm not going to bring it if he didn't tell me. That's just how it works with me. I'm not about to represent what I think before the people. I'm going to represent what he says before the people. This is going to be direct right out of the scripture, much as I can make it. Now, we receive this, this information as revelation knowledge. I'm not responsible for you to receive revelation. You are. But when you look unto Jesus, it says he's the author and finisher of our faith. He reveals what's next. When we start talking about vision, many times people are looking for what's next. God, what is it that's next? He leads us by giving us words of knowledge. His Holy Spirit does that. It can come, you you, you might be so close to Jesus that just directly from Jesus you hear some things by the Holy Spirit. I hope so. But I didn't have that so early so easily. Most of what I received was listening to somebody preach and then listening to people who were ahead of me in the line of Christ speak things out that would help me. And I would be hearing wisdom. Don't think the only way the Holy Spirit will lead you is through a still small voice. 
Most people miss the still small voice most of the time because their other voice is too loud for them to hear the still small voice of the Lord. That's what I mean by distractions. When that happens, God uses the foolishness of preaching, he said. Why would he? Because you'll tend to act like you're giving attention to or really give attention to somebody standing in front of you talking. God knew that. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that we, we come intentionally to hear. And when we set our hearing to hear, God breaks through the human vessel and brings something that came from the throne of God for you. And that's revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge flows into you according to how you want to receive it when the word is preached. Sometimes people have a predisposition. They only want to hear certain things. When we do that, we'll most certainly miss God because we didn't put him before us. This morning, the fact that you're, you're turned and listening to the word says that you have the opportunity and hopefully will make the choices today to put him first in what you hear so that he can be before you and this word becomes prophetic to your future. And the things that have gone wrong in the last year are broken off and the things that God has for you are something you can enter into. He is never going to hold you back. I must say something startling to you. The devil won't hold you back either. You hold you back. See, I can choose to hear God's word and believe it, and the enemy has no power over me because ignorance has been cut off. Misinformation has been cut off. Why? Because in the Old Testament even it said, only one way does the devil get to us, ignorance and misinformation. That's what he works through. So I don't understand it when people don't want to get God's word. I don't understand it because it has the power always to set us free and lead us into a greater place of liberty. Now, Jesus is the forerunner. We've talked about that. So we want to listen to the one that goes before you. We've got to learn to listen. We're not on our own. I meet so many Christians that that are so resolute in the fact that they're being led by the Holy Spirit and everything. And I think to myself... After, after years of, of listening to the Holy Spirit, they can't be. <laughs> I want to be led by the Holy Spirit all the time, but I'm distracted sometimes. Sometimes there's just too much to do, and I have to step back and say, well, wait a minute, if I'm not careful right here, I'm going to get off track. And I step back and say, Holy Spirit, show me what I need to do about this. Or what I thought was going to work out right didn't work out so right. And then I step back and say, okay, there's a reason it didn't work out right. I'm not going to say, oh, well, it was the devil's fault or it was Lucinda's fault or it was somebody else's fault. I'm going to have to say, wait a minute, this is my fault. I need to step back and examine me. What am I missing here? See, many times when, when things happen to us in our journey, we don't want to take responsibility for what just happened and we want to pretend everything's okay. That's, that's foolishness. That's saying in that situation, there is no God. That means we didn't put him. We didn't put him out there. We didn't give him room. He can redeem and restore anything. And it's when we line up with him that it happens. Now, this is verse 24. This same group sent in 12 men to spy out the land. They also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. And they brought back word to us saying, it is a good land which the Lord our God is giving us. That's what happens when we come to church. We know that Jesus goes before us. He's got your specific ticket. It's not my role in his church to tell you what to do. He is your Lord. I am not. I'm just your pastor. 
But understand in the, the line of how God does things, you have a pastor on purpose. Scripture calls him a shepherd. Why? The shepherd has to be the one to go before you to make sure what you're walking into from God's word is a healthy place. So I'm very conscious of uh, when, when I'm praying what to bring, I want to bring something in this season that's going to encourage you to connect with God's vision because in that you will accomplish things that you cannot accomplish any other way. And it comes by being in a season of saying, God, I need you to reveal what that is. Show me what that is at this stage in my life because he knows what you're capable of and what he's called you to do. And he brings those two things together miraculously when we become a follower of Christ. That means we recognize what he has anointed us for and we step into that. Now, they, they, they went in and, and took some fruit and brought it back. And that's what this word has to do with. They went into a valley where the grapes were giant and they, they, they brought them out and Two believed God out of 12. I pray for our church regularly that we're a hundred percenters. That we all just choose to believe God's word. When we say, oh, that's the scripture, I submit to that. Not, oh, it's what pastor wants. What I want's not, not real important. But what scripture says is. And what I want you to recognize is if what I bring lines up with what scripture says, you should want that. And what does it do? It brings a direct channel from heaven into your life, but it also brings a direct channel through this vessel into your life. And then you're not only hearing words, but anointing and authority and power grow in you. The authority in the church was vested in fivefold ministry, and it flows from fivefold ministry into the church. And then we become a mighty force, like an army for the master. Think of it this way, like a tribe of people out to possess a hunk of land out to possess what God's promised. They had the wilderness because of the distractions in the wilderness slow them down. But there was a generation that, that did right by God. And they got to enter in. We want to be of those. Now, when we receive God's word from the one that's gone before us, the blessing of that word comes. So many times people hear the word and scripture says Jesus warned us we become a forgetful hearer. Well, we can't receive what, what, what it means to become a forgetful here is we don't line up with God in that. The greatest challenge of your life should be lining up behind the word that you hear preached. So I, I know many, many Christians, they'll listen to hours of Christian programming every week, but line up with none of it. They'll wish they could. They don't know how. They don't, oh, I, I need to do better. I need to do better. Get the one bit of revelation from the Lord and line up with it. If you make no other determination this year, say, I'm going to be connected, well connected to the body of Christ because that's where my new energy is going to come from. God's going to bring it that way. Why? He's working through the Latter-day Church to see the world be saved and come to him so he can come again and rapture us out of here. His agenda is stated in the Bible. It's clear. It's forever settled in heaven and we don't get to know the day and the hour. We're just supposed to live like it's right now. That's how we're supposed to be. I personally think he'll come Sunday morning during church sometime. I think that'd be the most interesting time to come. That's just my perception. Now, understand how God's word goes before you. You read it for yourself. That's a principal way. Why Jesus is the written word. Jesus is the living word. Secondly, it'll come through, through your pastor or preachers or teachers or evangelists or, or, or prophets or apostles, people that are anointed to bring it. 
They're anointed to pour it out. God made them a vessel for that. But also through parents. If your parents are godly, you're to honor their godliness by choosing to listen and pay attention. At some point, people struggle with that. Say, I'm out from under that, as if it's some oppressive curse. Having godly parents is the heritage of the Lord. It is one of the most important ways God conveys blessing from one generation to the next. You never know what God wants to empower in your life until you come into it. Then you'll be able to look back and say, oh, there were all these inputs into my life. When we pray, God, do this, do this, do that for me, he's going to flow through a vessel. When you study God's word, you become his vessel and he can pour into you. When you listen with attentive spiritual ears to a preacher, he'll pour into you. When you submit to authority God placed over you, I mean, when you were, when you were born to or adopted by that family, hello. You line up with their authority by their choice. That's how it is with God. We line up to his authority by his choice. We either accept that or we rebel against it. There's not this gray space of I'm doing my own thing. That's rebellion, just to throw it out there. So you see, when we really want to look to the kingdom for our guidance, it's not like the world. It's not the same thing. Things are done differently. The third thing we want to do is make our human nature submit to God's authority at a personal level, our human nature. Uh, so, sometimes people use the word sin nature. I, uh, you can call it that if you really see yourself living in sin. I see myself redeemed from sin, but I still have a human nature. And human nature is sometimes less than God's plan, less than God's standard. And I've had to come to terms with that and not wrestle with that, not be condemned because of that. He knows I'm a human being with human nature. He redeemed me from the curse attached to my human nature, but he did not redeem me from human nature. So pastors, as much an animated human as you are, everybody is, even when they pretend they're not. They have had the same struggles, temptations, fights. I mean, maybe some more than others. You might hear somebody share a little bit of their testimony and think, oh, I relate to that. Well, if you heard their whole story, you'd be like, dear God, really? Why? Yeah, everybody has that. This battle that is false pride, that we think we can't have struggles. Hello, you're dead when you stop struggling. We are going to have that. It's, it's what it means to be saved. It's what it means to be in the body of Christ. To be honest with ourselves so we can be real with other people. To be honest enough to say, you know, uh, my life got out of order right here. Has anybody else experienced that? People are like, do I raise my hand? What are they going to say next? You know, testimony time is, is real scary for, for people. If you say, hey, anybody with me? And everybody's like, I'm afraid to admit it because I don't know what they're going to say next. Well, lightning didn't come from the sky and take them out. They're, they're sharing you a testimony. Why? They experienced redemption. We don't stop that process. We engage it more. That's what it means to follow the vision of the Lord Jesus for your life. You're, you're going to have moments you think, well, am I a bad person? No, you're not a bad person. You're a person. You're a redeemed person. As we, as we walk through that redemption, we learn what he redeemed us from, and we have to walk it out and say, I'm going to do better right here. And then you might mess up a few more times. But what we do is we keep speaking to ourselves. The scripture says we speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Why would we do that? 
You'll talk yourself into anything if you talk to yourself long enough about it. And if you bring God's word in it, talking to yourself, it'll happen quickly. Why? He programmed us that way. Now, we, we, we want to make our own human nature submit to God's authority. He points out some things in the next few verses. Verse 25, nevertheless, you would not go up. They just wouldn't do it. Now, going up has to do with doing God's word. Going up has to, to do with asking him how to make him first place. Going up is always in scripture getting becoming one with God. When we go up to heaven, it's not a down, it's an up. When you hear God's word, he's not after leaving you in a down spot where you go, oh, dear God, I'm convicted. He, he's interested in redeeming you for, through that conviction. That's what his word's always meant to do. You would not go up, but you rebel. We've got to deal with rebellion. Now, this is God's people. He chose them. He picked them. He said, you're the apple of my eye, Israel. You're going to be my people. I, I'm going to do all these great things for you. And they rebelled. So we've got to deal with rebellion. I'm not going to go way into that. You rebelled against the command. Notice it, uh, scripture is commanding. It's not passive. I hear a lot of teaching today. I call it being dummied down to passive tense. If you choose to do this, it'll be better for you. <laughs> but if you don't choose to do it, he said life and death is in the power of the tongue. Life and death is before you. Blessing and cursing is before you. If you don't get the good, you're going to end up with the not good. That's the truth of it. There's not this gray space in the middle that, that people want to interpret as, as God's just being patient with me. No, we're being foolish when we say that. He's saying, come on, come on, I'm before you. Pay attention to me. Now, they rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you complained in your tents, grumbled in their houses. we got to watch out for that. Why? When we come into conflict, we're going to recognize the conflict and be upset about the conflict. And when we're not careful, we will complain instead of thanking him for getting us out of the jam by us putting him first. Lord, here I am. Instead of gripe about this, I'm presenting it to you. Show me what to do. Show me how to line up with your plan. Obviously, this isn't it. That's what he wants. Now, that's, that's, that's what we do when we're in trouble, put him in first place. We deal with those things. Then he goes on to uh, say what they did, what happened to them as a result of getting out of whack. Where then you exempted yourselves by saying, grumbling took them, made them an exemption to entering into the promise. Grumbling, particularly in their house. Why? Your kids hear what goes on in that house. Your spouse hears what goes on in that house. Grandkids will hear what goes on in that spouse when you have in that house when we have them. So he's real big on what happens in your house. Now, they exempted themselves by saying, where can we go up? God, what am I to do about this? They started complaining. Instead of thanking him for direction, they started complaining. And he'd already told them to take a step. Then they went on to say, our brethren have discouraged our hearts by saying some things. Well, so-and-so just wasn't, they didn't treat me right. Big whoop. They didn't stop you from walking with God. You did by letting their grumbling get in your head. See, I'll, do, I'll tell you something about your Christian walk. More people will discourage you than encourage you. Why? Just think of your, your friendships and relationships. Not everybody's walking with Jesus. Some that say they are aren't really. 
Not everybody walks in wisdom from the scripture all the time. So you might have a friend that they're, they're with you in the first five conversations. They're standing with you. But then you bring up number six and they're like, are you nuts? And you walk away and think, this is my trusted friend and they're not encouraging me. They're not responsible to encourage you. You are to encourage yourself in the Lord first. Then when somebody isn't so encouraging, you say, no, it's okay. I'm not in this friendship for them to encourage me in everything. Jesus is my encourager. He died to carry that first place in my life. So I'm going to go to him when I'm not feeling happy about something. See, sometimes we give people God's place. Sometimes we give family members God's place. And we expect them to be Jesus and they're human. So what do we do? When we find human failing, we have to find the goodness of God in the person of the Lord Jesus. So what happens when we do that? We're putting other gods before him. Don't let your friends, don't let your family before the master. You'll blame them. You'll complain about them. You'll think that they did you wrong when they didn't do you wrong. Now, got real quiet in the room. Then he goes to some external things. There were some external things. First, there was a relationship with the master in choosing to be obedient. Then there was human nature in themselves and other people they had to deal with. But now there's outside forces. There's inhabitants. There's strongholds against your inheritance. There is powers that are out to work against you. But he says what they were. The, the residents in the land were the Amorites first. That root word means sayers. Or we would say naysayers. They were the ones that say, this ain't going to happen for you. We own this spot. You're not going to see the promotion because so-and-so's had that position 10 years. You're not going to get the scholarship because you're just not that bright. I mean, whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is that people are saying, and this wasn't an inward voice saying it, this was outward voices of opposition. You will have that, and the way you overcome it it's the same every time. You know God's word. And you say, I choose to believe God's report. I choose to believe the two that came back with the fruit and said we can possess it. Then the other ten that said the problems are too great. Decide what voices you're going to hear and listen to. And recognize ten out of twelve are not for you. Ten out of twelve will serve as a distraction. Ten out of twelve will serve as a discouragement. Ten out of twelve will try to, to sound like it's something godly. Well, the scripture says, I don't know if you've ever had discouragement come this way. Well, the verse, this verse says this. You must be wrong. Well, you can twist scripture to say anything you want to. When somebody does that to you, go study it for yourself and see if they're right. Because if it doesn't line up with your heart, you need to say, God, uh, e either I'm wrong or they're wrong. Show me which one it is and let God decide by going to the scripture. That's why we give the word final authority in our life. No, man, we give the word that. We go see, where's that in the scriptures? That's real important. But after they had all this discouragement that the sayers rose up, then... Uh, says that these people who are saying are greater and taller than we are. They're, they're more imposing. They're, their opinion matters. They have a lot of life experience. Well, when a person isn't submitted to God in their life experience, their counsel to you is worthless. It's have they been and are they still being led by the Holy Spirit and is their life in right order? 
Are they following the hallmarks of first place fellowship with the Lord? If they're not, I'd step back from that and say, Lord, just let me look at, let me look at your word or find somebody who is doing right by you. So you're not to be a follower of man unless they're a follower of God, and then you better first be a follower of God, then also listen to others who are followers of God. Now, the establishment is great and fortified up to heaven, but they have wisdom. Well, there's man's wisdom, there's God's wisdom, and then there's whatever's in between. Now, moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. They were the giants. When you read of David and Goliath, Goliath was in Anakim. What was it? An opposing force active through a person. Today we would say people who stand in opposition to God. That's who they were. They brought intimidation. They're the one at the office that forbids you to be a Christian in public. Or keep your Bible in a drawer. When you take it out to your, your break, smuggle it in a bag or something because it can't be seen, holy Bible. I would step back and say, now wait a minute. God said to slew the giant. You don't go after the person. You go after the spirit that's working through the person. And in some cases you just say, I'm not paying attention to that, Lord Jesus. I'm honoring you. Now, I'm not saying don't submit to authority of the boss. But you can honor the Lord at the same time and you find a way. Well, he'll show you how to do it. Now, going up, he was telling them they had to go up. The whole beginning of this section was you would not go up. These are the ways we go up. I would encourage you to study it because I'm about to run out of time. These are the ways we go up. If you don't like a situation you're in, he has an answer. Go up. These are the ways we go up and we change the station of our life. We change the, the enjoyment factor that we have. We change the satisfaction factor that we have. We have more of a sense of eternal things than we do just getting by day to day. We can expect God to bless us in our future rather than wonder if he will. Now, going up sets us up to receive. I want to give a, a, a minute to the inward working of the Holy Spirit because much of right decisions that I make still has to do with the inward working of the Holy Spirit. I've learned when I'm not hearing it, it's because my ears are hearing something else. And I have to step back and say, how did I give my ear to that? What do I need to do to come up a little closer to the Lord in this? What do I need to cut off so I can go up? What do I need to forsake so I can go forward? And, and when I do, when I position my heart right with him, I hear his voice. I had a moment of not being a very good sheep. See, so he says his sheep hear his voice. It doesn't, doesn't guarantee that we're going to hear unless we're listening for the shepherd. If you start listening to the wolves howling or the other sheep complaining or the worms in the ground running from you as you eat your grass or whatever, whatever distractions, it's not long and we're not hearing. What do we, we, we tune in again. Today's about tuning in. Today's about going up. Today's about looking up. Today's about reaching up to him in a way nobody can do that for you but you. And it's critical to your success and satisfaction as a Christian. Lastly, and on a good note, God gave you victory over the works of the enemy. The sayers were speaking in opposition. We saw that. The establishment has control of some things. You're going to come against 
some establishment, some things that are set in motion. You might have some things set in motion by you in your life that you're established in that he wants to undo. Sometimes he'll cause people to change career paths because we got established in our own thinking instead of God's thinking. Sometimes we, we don't understand he has an actual place he wants us to reside, an actual church he wants us to be a part of. People hop in and out of places and in and out of churches and in and out of relationships like God's not in control of anything. He has a place for us to go up to. That means he has a place where it helps us being in the right place, helps us sustain keeping him first. I want to be around people in my life that honor putting him first. It helps me get a greater understanding as I go how to do that. So I look, I still look to some of the old saints, many of them dead and gone, but I look at how did they do the last few laps of their race? Because I'm getting old enough now, I'm conscious of finishing more than I am starting. So I'm starting to look ahead. He said, he said, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher. Well, it's not just at the beginning. I'm going to tell you something. It's the beginning, the middle, and the finish. And in, in my life, I'm looking at the, the finisher and the finishing and deciding how am I going to finish? What adjustments do I need to make to finish in a way that most honors the master? Now, the sayers were there. The establishment was there. The giants were there with their intimidation. I'm going to tell you something. They want to hang on to your future. They want to prevent you from the future. Why, there's spirits behind it. It isn't people. People aren't going to stop you. You will stop you in what you choose to not embrace by looking up and going up and putting him first. I, I will tell you this by the Spirit of the Lord. This year is about shifting your life and putting him first. Then he'll bless the rest. And if you can get that through in your household, watch what God will do. In some cases, there are dreams that have been forsaken. There's just going to be a rewrite on the dream where it puts him first instead of you first. Many times people say, God, if you do this for me, it'll line me up to do this for you. He never does it that way. He goes before you in what he wants, and then all of these things catch up to you. If you're praying for the blessing of God to come in front, in your frontlets, in your eyes. He never does it that way. He wants to be in your frontlet, and the blessings will come. I want you to understand that principle. The Jews, the, the Hasidic Jews, wear this little thing on their forehead with God's word. In it, so it's, it's in front of their eyes, the frontlets of their heart, they think. We do that in a different way. Jesus, I'm keeping you first. I'm putting you first, and I'm going to keep you before me where that's who we see all the time. Then he causes the things to come. That's when words of wisdom and words of knowledge come into your life. And God shows you something in the scripture. You think, how did I miss this for 25 years? And it's the answer you need and you wonder, why did it take me so long? Because he just wasn't right here in that area till we put him right there. Now, as we finish... He says this last in, in verse 29 and through 31. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of any of these things. Don't any longer be moved in your feelings by, by problems from the past. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you. He's not giving up on them. He's still their fighter. What he's doing though is he's fighting battles that will most easily take them into God's blessing and they're off asking him to fight another battle. God, I, I, I want this in my life. Bring, bring me a husband or give me a better house or give me a car instead of give me the kingdom. 
Help me find my place. He says, when we get that right and we put him right here, he causes those things. He's supernatural. That means it should get better. Life should get better when we keep him before us. So I'm going to encourage you. It it leads to better. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you. Why? He's in front of you. What does that mean? Scripturally, it means this. He has won your battles and he will call out your enemies before you step onto their turf and lay them aside for you. I would rather that than be praying all the time, oh God, help me deal with this spiritual force, this stronghold that's trying to get me. We shouldn't be so conscious of strongholds, but rather the stronger one. Now, the Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt. What's Egypt? The world. What's Egypt? He's calling you up out of that. Egypt means to go down. The kingdom means to go up. So whenever we're dealing with something that's a downer, it's because we've gone down in something and not followed Jesus and kept him first in something. And things take a downturn. And people say things like, well, pastor, how could this happen to me? Somewhere, Jesus wasn't first place. Now we can pretend that's not the right answer. But scripture says that's the right answer. Yet how hard is it to tell somebody that, let alone be the person hearing it? What does that say? We, we just need to embrace God's word and say, I choose to believe it. And because I believe it, it's coming to pass in my life. Jesus, you have first place. We're about to wrap it up. And he said, he, he said one more thing. And in the wilderness, why, that was their own doing. Kicking around in the wilderness instead of entering in, they bumbled around for 40 years instead of coming, coming in. Day, day 10, walking across. They didn't do it. They bumbled around. Now, your God will carry you as a man carries his son in all the way that you will go until you come into this place. Jesus is wanting to restore us to his vision in this moment. And he's not hindered by the past wilderness. He's not stopped by the Egypt that we live in of this world. He will carry you as a father would carry a son. I I think back to when my son Greg was probably before he was 14. Maybe before he was 10. That's probably more realistically. He liked dad to carry him sometimes. Here up on my shoulders. Kind of like I see Alex on your shoulders. And with the thumbs in the air, he liked to hang on to thumbs. And I said, no more thumbs. And he, boy, he kicked those legs in. Father is aware. When you're hanging on to him that way. That's what it will feel like for you to enter into this phase of relationship with the Lord. He is not going to be moved negatively by you squeezing his thumbs. I, 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 I play airplane with Avalyn. She's two and a half. And I, when I'm exercising on my mat, when she gets there in the morning, she's poppy, poppy, runs in airplane, airplane. We did it once and she will forever want to play airplane. But, and she's not, she's so trusting, she doesn't think she needs to hang on to my thumbs. But half the time, I don't feel my right leg. So I say, hang on to my thumbs, Avalyn. And I put her up in the air, and she starts squealing and kicking. She thinks her whole body's a propeller. God wants that kind of trust from us. But when we are rather hanging on tight, because this is our first time experience in this area of life, he's good with that. And you know what he says? I got you. 
I've got you. Whenever he's carrying you like a son, you're going to hear this reassurance and you're going to know in your heart he's got you. I want you to stand. I want to pray with you this morning. We're going to open up the altar. If for any reason the words in this message have connected with your heart and you want prayer, the altar will be open. Pastor Josh and Pastor Rihanna will be, be helping primarily in the altar today. They may call on some altar workers to help. But I've asked them to, to carry this forward in advance. Why? I know the anointing of God will flow through them in this matter today and anybody that they call on. But this is, a, this is a season of being restored and reconciled to God's plan. He wants your family to experience the full blessing. What comes directly from Jesus, directly from the throne of grace into your family. What comes through your pastor and your church into your family. And what comes through your line. If you're a parent, even if you're the mother and not the dad. If you're the head of a household, we're in a, in a covenant that's grace-filled, where God will move through whatever vessel says, here I am, Lord, use me. So I want to say this to moms and dads equally. There's a dynamic that needs to happen in how we submit to one another in the home, and it only happens as we submit to Jesus as we're supposed to. Then a peace comes. I want you to have the most peaceful and prosperous year you've ever had, following closely after Jesus is the way we go there. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for a church that's hungry and thirsty. Father, I thank you for a church where there's there's not going to be any stopping your plan. Father, I thank you that your plan comes from your word and your Holy Spirit speaks it into every person's heart. Father, it's my desire that we as a congregation experience a new ignition of your fire on the inside to desire more of you. That we are so hungry and so thirsty, you cannot ignore the cries of our hearts for more of you. Father, as we put you first in this way, by coming unto Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith, you're going to stir faith for something more. Father, for every person experiencing a place of lack or confusion, I now break that lack and confusion in Jesus' name. That the truth of God can set us free. That realigning, putting you first, Jesus, will set us free. I believe that it's done, and I thank you that it's by the blood of Jesus and by the word of my testimony and the word of your testimony that it's done. We declare it because we have received it in Jesus' name. Everybody needs to say good amen right there. We pray that today you are challenged to move closer to God and encouraged with the depth of His love for you. If you would like to know more or hear additional messages, please call us at 217-395-2231. You can also write to us at Living Word Church, P.O. Box 158, Roberts, Illinois, 60962. Or visit our website at go to lwc.org. And as always, we would love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace.